The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 195 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and we have a lot to talk about today. Got Dennis Smith Jr. trade rumors. We have James Harden continuing his supernova run, especially with Clint Capella now out. We have some Boston Celtics dysfunction and the Chicago Bulls holding Robin Lopez hostage. Before we get into all of that, a reminder you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. This is the earliest we've recorded a podcast together since, well, since you were in Denmark, actually. This is. I know. Yeah, my, my wife had a Mickey shift this morning. It started now. So I said, hey, why not? I'm up at 630. Why not actually record early? Would I'm you- just glad, like, we just swapped size. Usually I'm up to, like, late in the night. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, I'll be up late for real work, and then... I might take a nap in the middle of the day. We'll see. Well, you are old. That's so. true. I know. Yeah. Grandpa Brian over here needs his two-hour naps. <laughs> a two-hour nap? Oh, my God. Yeah, man. I don't I don't understand people. Like, my wife could do this. She could nap for, like, 20 or 30 minutes and feel refreshed. If I'm napping, it is at least an hour and a half. I don't feel like these 20 or 30-minute power naps are just BS. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've experienced it, like, when... When it, my wife succeeds in actually getting me up after twenty minutes, <laughs> yeah. then it takes me like ten minutes, and then oh, okay, I can actually feel the energy. But but mm. if she's not there, and the clock rings after twenty minutes, I'm like, screw that. Yeah, <laughs> getting back in. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't even set an alarm. I'm just like, let's just let nature take its course. <laughs> oh well, that's a sentence you can't say when you have kids. Right. Exactly. This yep. this is the difference between you and I. You're responsible yep. and have kids, and I do not. Yeah. <laughs> Notice all, that I didn't disagree. Right. No. <laughs> With all that said, let's dive in. Well, let's start in Dallas because news broke the other day uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski and Tim McMahon of ESPN that the Dallas Mavericks are escalating trade, escalating talks to trade guard Dennis Smith Jr., pushing mm-hmm. to end a partnership that has run its course for both the franchise and the former first round pick. Uh, according to those two, Phoenix and Orlando have been active in talks with the Mavericks. Uh, John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports 98.7 
had since come out and said Phoenix's interest is overstated. They're not actually that interested in Dennis Smith Jr. But, you know, we've been mentioning those two teams all year as, like, if a team needs a point guard, call Phoenix in Orlando because those are the two teams that really need one. Uh, mm. Before we get into this, though, a, a side plot that I'm really enjoying this season is John Gabadoro versus Woj. Because this is now the second time after the Marshawn Brooks-Dylan Brooks thing where Gambadora is like, no, Woj, like, I respect you, but you're totally wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you build a name. Right, right. But yeah. it, it's, like, really entertaining. I'm really enjoying this, like, low-key NBA Twitter feud that I, you know Woj is pissed about it. Of course. Well, well Woj, here's the thing with Woj, though. I mean, he wants the, his sources, obviously, to be accurate all the time. Right. But he is still a human being, and sometimes he will get bad intel. Yeah. And because he's a national guy and not, like, a local guy, there are always going to be certain elements that he's not privy to, like, where the beat writers will have some sort of insight mm-hmm. that just trumps what he knows. I mean, as long as as John is, isn't, is like, o- O-ringer about it, <laughs> right, like, right, right. then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also it's worth noting, like, all that Woj and McMahon reported are Phoenix has been active in talks. That might mean they, like, sniffed around and kind of just asked what Dallas wants in return. And maybe Dallas said, like, you know, we want Mikhail Bridges. And Phoenix was like, okay, (laughs) good luck finding someone else that will give you something that value for Dennis Smith Jr. And hung up, and that might be the end of it. That said, Mort, let's talk about first why... The Mavericks are seemingly giving up on Dennis Smith a year after spending the number nine overall pick on him and then where he might make sense. So mm-hmm. first, you know, is it just Luca? Is it just that, like, you know, Den- they they were really all in on Dennis Smith Jr. being their point guard of the future as of last right. year. And now is it just, like, they had this change of plans because this unforeseen circumstance of Luka Doncic falling into their laps? Now they're just like, screw it, we need to build around him. It makes no sense to have Dennis Smith Jr. here too. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I don't think that's the whole story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Dallas was absolutely very much in on Smith mm-hmm. when they drafted him and even during a you know, a rookie season that wasn't great but certainly had its moments. Mm-hmm. And I think they when, when Doncic was chosen, I think they looked at it at, and went, you know, we can't you know, pair those two guys up and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Maybe everything clicks. Maybe Dennis Smith becomes a more willing passer. Maybe he, uh, you know, develops into a, a really legitimate three-point threat that can space the floor for Luca. Maybe they can maximize each other's potential. So far, that hasn't really come true. And, you know, you can, you always have a lot of data on a guy coming into an organization, but you never really quite know until the guy puts on a uniform and starts playing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they anticipated that Luca would be this good this soon, to the, yeah. to at least to the same extent. And they kind of realized, oh, you know what? We, we have an opportunity here to actually build around him very early on in his career. So we don't end up like New Orleans, where you're looking at a 25-year-old superstar, where we, we basically kept everything out and... You know, we have good players around him, but we may not have the right players around him. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at this situation from a very serious point of view, going, how do we maximize, you know, Luka Doncic's potential? And then they just identify Dennis Smith Jr. as a player who might not be a 
a long-term asset that they project as the best sort of teammate to put next to Luca in terms of playing style. I don't think they have a problem with him personally. Right. I think it's all about like the the on-court fit. And when you look at it, like it makes sense because Luca has the ball a lot. He's a playmaker slash scorer, and you don't really need a guy at the point guard position whose entire let's put it this way, like the, his entire. Uh, world view is getting to the basket and mm-hmm. scoring or shooting like you need a guy who can be like a secondary playmaking uh initiator and who can a guy who can space the floor and those two are just not in dennis smith's wheelhouse right. at least not right now and here's the thing if that doesn't materialize then he loses trade value mm-hmm. so dallas is looking at it from a very progr- you know proactive point of view where they're going you know what he has trade value right now he's yep. so young that a lot of teams would be willing to take him on and and actually pay up quite a price to get him so they're trying to get the bo- the best of both worlds they're trying to move a- an an asset that has significant value and get something in return or at least get the financial flexibility in return to Find an alternative that suits Luca better. It's a win-win for them on the long term. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I mean, we were looking at NBA.com and like their on-off stats with Luca and Dennis Smith Jr. So when the two of them share the court together, they play 27 games together, average about 25 minutes a game. When they're on the court together, the Mavs have a net rating of minus 5.0. Their the offensive rating is like just under 101. Defensive rating is at 106. When Luka yeah. is alone without Dennis Smith Jr., the Mavs are plus 3.1 overall, have an offensive rating of 110.6, defensive rating of 107.5. So defense is a little worse, but the offense is nearly 10 points per 100 possessions better. Which is significant. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right in that ideally, I guess a guy, you know, Luka is one of those guys where... He's an unconventional playmaker ball handler in the sense that like you don't necessarily expect this six what is he, six eight? Yeah, six seven, six eight. Yeah. Just about. So you don't expect him to be able to be your full time ball handler, just like you don't expect Ben Simmons in Philly to be a full time ball handler, just like you don't expect a guy like Nikola LeBron. Jokic. Yeah, LeBron or like a guy like Nikola Jokic in Denver to be able to run your offense through him most of the time. But when you have those rare guys where you're able to, you need to build around them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about that with Denver, especially how they've maximized Jokic by putting two shooters and especially Jamal Murray at the point guard position where he doesn't need to be a full-time playmaker. His main asset to Denver is his shooting ability. So, right. as you said, like, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. was not efficient at all as a rookie he shot 39.5 percent overall 31.3 percent from three mm-hmm. this year he's been better 44.3 overall 37 and a half from three but he's taking fewer than four threes a game i mean that was not his wheelhouse coming in coming into the nba shooting was not right. you know that was not a strength of his it was his athleticism is that's the big one um so you want a guy ideally who's a better shooter than that next to Luca, who is going to find open shooters plenty. And, like, you also don't necessarily need a Dennis Smith Jr. when Luka Doncic is your main crunch time guy. Like, he's Luka, right. Luka has proven himself repeatedly this season as, you know, one of the better crunch time scorers in the NBA. Like, 
the entire league, which is wild. So I think you're right. I think the Mavs are like, all right, Dennis Smith Jr. is in not even through his second full season. If we trade him now, whichever team acquires him will have two more seasons on his rookie contract before they have to make any big decisions. As you said, he's still young enough where I don't think this is like a Michael Carter-Williams situation where, you know, Philly was like, all right, we're going to trade him halfway through his second season because he's not that good. And, like, we just want to get an asset for him before the rest of the league realizes it. Like, I don't think that's the case. I think Dallas is aware that Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be at least an above average, if not good, player. And, like, Mm -hmm. is likely to carve out a long-term NBA career. It's just... Right, the potential is there for it. Yeah, for sure. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, again, you you, you have to pivot if an unexpected circumstance happens and Luka Doncic is that unexpected circumstance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices. Just two, four, six and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com Valid 729 to 811. Select styles excludes in-store clearance get to old navy for the biggest sale of the year up to 60 percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby get flip-flops for two bucks graphic tees for four bucks shorts for six dollars and jeans for eight dollars right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices just two four six and eight dollars can't wait to wear it buy online and pick up in-store free today up to 60 percent off all kids and baby styles now at old navy and old navy.com valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance so Mm -hmm. let's go into where he might make sense is this where we should say that we actually recorded a 100 minute podcast (laughs) on luka Doncic specifically we did we did yeah Yeah. for for your patron and that was we were talking about guys who would make sense who who makes sense to like plug around him and then we got into the whole like is Dennis Smith that guy? Mm, I'm not sure. That's probably your best trade asset if you're Dallas, though. So if you're like really looking to find, you know, an asset to like a long-term asset to plug next to Luca, Dennis Smith Jr. is your best chance of getting it via trade. Right. And we identified one guy in particular. We did. That we a guy we like a lot. Yep. And he's not a point guard. Nope. He's a, he's a power forward, um, at least when the Magic decides to play him as the power forward. Right. And he needs to be freed, yes. unleashed, yep. however you call it. So a trade that is centered around you know, Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. and Dennis Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, you know, Sean Hygen actually, for Bleacher Report, uh, came up with a bunch of names. That was after we recorded our podcast. And I know Sean, Sean does not might support my patron, the bastard. So, <laughs> right. uh, well, <laughs> that's a joke, obviously, because it's in Danish. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. But, um, you know, it it just makes sense, is, yeah. is my point. Like, several people are looking at this going, you know what? Eric Gordon needs to be freed. Right. And looking at Dallas, you know, Dirk Nowinski is not going to stick around for much longer. Right. So there's going to be an open spot at the four. Yep. And 
Aaron Gordon, to his credit, is an improving playmaker. He is a versatile defender. He's an improving shooter. And he's athletic as all hell, meaning he can run the floor with Luka all night long. And not just in a pick-and-roll sense, but also pick-and-pop. Because, you know, he does take uh, four threes a game. Right. Yeah, I mean, to me, if Phoenix is really out on Dennis Smith Jr., then Orlando is like the obvious, obvious landing spot for Dennis Smith Jr. And I think the good thing is there are multiple trades you can come up with if you're Orlando and Dallas. Like, it depends what Dallas wants in return. If they're looking to dump Wes Matthews, that's how you get to Aaron Gordon, just because salary matching-wise, you can't do Dennis Smith Jr. for Aaron Gordon straight up. Aaron Gordon's making, like, 20-some million dollars a year. 21 and a half, because he signed the contract last summer. Right. And then the good thing about Gordon is his contract descends every year. Correct. Which makes him, you know, for team building purposes, that makes him a more attractive asset because most guys escalate. His is going to de-escalate, in which case, you know, every other player is going to have an escalating contract. It's going to make it easier to build around Luka and still be able to get more talent in elsewhere. So Right, because, because in 2021, Brian, mm-hmm. he's only going to earn $16.4 million. Yeah. And if he is going to be that guy we all think he can be in a in a system that unleashes him, mm-hmm. then you might have a twenty point eight rebound with good defense player, which is like an all star caliber player, right? For you know a, a salary that's crazy under market value, yeah. That- and with Lucas still being on a rookie scale, like that's when you need to strike. That right. it would just make so much sense for Dallas to go after Aaron Gordon. Yeah, that that would be. What half of what he's likely he if he was a free agent in 2021 if Aaron Gordon was a free agent in 2021 he'd probably earn double that if he breaks out yeah. the way we expect him to once he gets Correct. out of Orlando. So right because even the, this contract he's on now the four year 76 mm-hmm. is actually pretty cheap. Yeah, re- like relatively for sure. So yeah. that's one option. Another one if if you're still trying to do Orlando and Dallas, Mo Bamba. Oh, oh! I'm not there. Yeah, no, not yet. No, I I think they need something more established. Like Mo Bamba, I like the potential, but he's still a gamble. You don't know what he is. You know what 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 Aaron Gordon is to mm-hmm. some extent. Right now, like let me just look it up. Bamba is playing less than 17 minutes a game. Right, and he's played you know 39 games. Like obviously, you know I've seen it, I've seen games with him where you know it's it's very cons- inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Like he can have games where he just you know, finds his defensive rhythm and he blocks shots and grabs boards and like hits threes on the other end. And then you have games where he's just completely unplayable mm-hmm. and you need to sit him in to sit him down. And that's obviously that's common for a twenty year old. But I think with Luca and, and the amount of you know dedication that Dallas have to Luca and his development, mm-hmm. you need to have something in there that is just more certain, I wanna say. That's fair. I mean, yeah, it really it depends a on what Orlando is asking for. Like if if they want if they say, you know, Aaron Gordon we're not going to trade unless you give us a pick along with Dennis Smith Jr. and Dallas says no, but Orlando says we'll give you Dennis Smith Jr. for Mo Bamba straight up. You know, it, it depends on like the parameters of all of these deals. 
My yeah. my thought with Bamba is just that like a he's really young. You won't have to plug him in right away because you still have DeAndre Jordan for the rest of this year at least. It also depends right. on whether Dallas fancies itself a playoff contender or is like you know screw it we we think we're gonna get knocked out of this playoff race at some point. It doesn't matter if we get a project in Bamba because you know we're willing to be patient and wait a couple of years before we really start going hard after the playoffs. Now I would think well, see, that's the one I'll challenge though. Okay. Because of Luca, like Luca's already there, right? And I would think they would want to, like, in, realistically, this is probably Dirk's last season. Yeah, I don't think they want to, you know, go into the tank in the second half of what is likely to be Dirk's last season. Oh, undoubtedly not. Yeah, undoubtedly. So, I mean, I would think they would prefer Aaron Gordon in this situation. I think they should prefer him, even if you look at it from from a production perspective. Because, again, we're looking at an Aaron Gordon, and we're judging him solely off the Orlando system, where he's been jerked around since his rookie season. Yeah. Like, this guy's talent is is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And, and he is one of those guys who have flown under the radar for years because Orlando. Like, right. who talks about Orlando? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Orlando right. is by all intents and purposes, the most irrelevant NBA team right now. Yeah. Like, they just don't matter at this point. Everything they've done for, you know, the past five or six years has just been horrid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's their one bright spot. But, again, no one is paying attention to that bright spot. He's losing, you know, patience by the hour, I would imagine. And going to, like, could you imagine him just balling out for Dallas because he just got him out of that situation? Yeah, to me, he's he's like... He could put up Blake Griffin numbers. Maybe not what Blake yeah. Griffin's doing this season, but like in his prime, it would not surprise me if he puts up somewhere in the low to mid twenties scoring, ten rebounds a night, and I think he could average five assists a game. I don't see why not. Yeah, I hey you you know what I've called Gordon for years. Yeah, you know I called him the athletic Draymond Green. Yeah, I think he can handle the ball. I think he can initiate plays and. That's also another part of it because Dennis Smith Jr. right now is not one of those you know playmakers. Right, he's averaging more or less as many turnovers per game, and he is as he is assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, roughly. Aaron Gordon, like he can pass from when he's outside the three point line, he can pass from the post, like and Luca can cut. Right, like he he's a willing passer. He's not one of those guys that needs to take X amount of shots. Right, and I think the intricacies between him and Luca would just fit so well together on the court. Because you have obviously Gordon is a is an alley oop target, mm-hmm. which you know means that you have to key in on him, giving uh, Luca more space to operate. But at the same time, you also have this thing where if if Gordon has the ball like on the block or in the mid range area and he's looking to attack, like teams will look at it and go, "Oh, here we have this six nine guy who can dunk on four guys at once. <laughs> we actually right. need to look at him for a change," and that's just gonna give Luca. The ability to move under the radar. He moves very well without the basketball, and with Gordon being able to survey the court the way that he does, you know, you could totally see a lot of cr- cross court passes that ends up like with like corner freeze with Luca. Like yeah. there are several ways you can build around Luca, but I think having a big man who is as versatile as Gordon and also has more talent and you know to squeeze out from off of his potential, that's just a solid gamble all the way through. Not saying that Mo Bamba is a bad target. Not right. saying that at all. I think he will be a good player. It's just he's an unknown commodity. Mm-hmm. And Gordon, while you know, while he is a known commodity, there is still a certain element to him where he could become more. 
Well, I mean, there's no scenario where he becomes less. Look at Victor Oladipo. We thought we knew who he was after four years in Orlando. It seemed like he stagnated. It seemed like he stagnated one year in OKC. Then he goes to Indiana and has this breakout All Star year. Right. Like it would not surprise me if Aaron Gordon, the second he gets out of Orlando, and the second he's allowed to play power forward full time because he's a power forward. If he has a similar kind of breakout. Also, he's only 23. He hasn't turned 24 until September. so Right, so he fits with Lucas' age right. uh, group. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. The one thing... Oh, that's a good... That's, oh, yeah. You actually made a point. You actually made a point about this mm-hmm. on the on the podcast we've shot together. Regarding Lucas' age, you you actually made, came up with the point that you, when building around Luca, you should actually make sure that... Uh, that there is like a a bubble surrounding him in terms of you know average age, mm-hmm. like there shouldn't be more than a five year age difference. Right, at least with like long term pieces. I mean, if you're right filling in one year stop gaps, whatever. But of course, yeah. But like from the core, right, right. Yeah. One thing I will say about Dennis Smith Jr. is I know this report will have a lot of people like ready to give up on him. And I just think in general we're like way too quick to give up on young point guards. Like it happened with D'Angelo mm. Russell. It happened with De'Aaron Fox after his rookie season. People were just like out on him being a good player. Like, it's, well, wait, wait, they were. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Oh yeah, De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, yeah. I know Russell. Oh, because he just didn't. Oh, why? Shoot. I was so encouraged. But we knew this coming in, and he shot a lot better than he did in Kentucky. I was I very optimistic. I had him like second on my big board. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was optimistic after his rookie season too, but it just seems like, in general, like if a if a guy doesn't hit the ground running right away, NBA Twitter is just like bust, trash, like give these guys time. Dennis Smith Jr. is oh, gonna yeah. be fine. Yeah, I I, th- I think he's gonna be fine too. It's just a matter of him getting the right system and you know becoming a better shooter and and as you said like that is slowly becoming a thing like 37 and a half percent it's it's fine he just needs to add get to old navy for the biggest sale of the year up to 60 percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby get flip-flops for two bucks graphic tees for four bucks shorts for six dollars and jeans for eight dollars right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices just two four six and eight dollars can't wait to wear it buy online and pick up in store free today up to 60 percent off all kids and baby styles now at old navy and old navy.com valid 729 to 8 Select styles excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance the volume to it and maintain that percentage and he's going to be okay yeah totally agree yeah all right let's move to houston where clint capella is now out for four to six six weeks with ligament damage to his right thumb according to adrian wojnarowski yeah they are still great they are still without chris paul they just lost daniel house who's been starting with it for them because he couldn't reach an agreement uh, he was on a two-way contract, and they couldn't reach a long-term agreement. So 
unless they do, he is back in the G League and he is not allowed to rejoin the team until after the Rio Valley Grande Vipers season is over, which I think is late March, unless they make the playoffs, which is even later. So basically, right now, Houston is the James Harden show. Yeah. And yet, they keep winning. They are now fourth <laughs> in the West. Or tied for fourth in the West with Houston. They're four and a half games back of the Warriors. We mentioned James Harden last episode because you were catching me up on things I missed while I was in Japan. Yeah. We need to talk more about James Harden and what he's done. I in think the last we should. Month. Yeah. So I looked at, you know, he is now, he's riding a 17 game streak in which he has scored 30 plus points every game. The last time he did not score 30 was on December 11th when he <laughs> scored 29. <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> In these 17 games, he is averaging 41.3 points, nine and a half, or 9.2 assists, 7.5 rebounds, 5.83s on 38.5% shooting from deep, mm-hmm. 2.1 steals, 0.7 blocks. Houston is 13-4 and four in those games. When he started this, the, the, game, the first game he got 30. Or, like, the first of these 17 straight that he got 30 was against the Lakers on December 13th. Going into that game, the Rockets were 12-14. and We were all like, what the hell happened to the Rockets? Why are they so bad? Yeah. Now, I mean, he had 57. He single-handedly beat the Memphis Grizzlies on Monday night. Or Sunday night? Monday night. Like, what... (laughs) I mean, not only is what he's doing completely ridiculous, and we're going to have a longer awards pod soon since we're now at the halfway point of the season, but Mort, I'm I'm suddenly feeling nervous about Ariana's pick for MVP. I think you should. I mean, right now, Harden is, is looking you know, every bit the player that we all thought he was, and, you know, <laughs> returning MVP, and obviously. So what I find interesting are two things. Mm-hmm. One, let's look at the way that he actually produces points, okay? Mm-hmm. So he takes 12, and I'm listing this in order of volume. The primary shot uh, method is the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. 12.8 attempts per game. The second most is three throw attempts at 11.3. And then we have the third most in two-point field goal percentage at 10.3. Dude, I mean, this is analytical basketball at a very, very high level. Yeah. This is is a mathematician's approach to basketball. Right. It really is. And the result of it, this is my second point, is when you look at his per 36 numbers, like he's he's scoring 33.7 points per 36. Mm -hmm. That is higher than... Any per 36 scoring number Michael Jordan has ever had. It's so wild. It's just so wild. And, I mean, and you know whenever you are able to put Mike into that conversation. Right. You're doing something right. Yeah. Like, part of it, to be fair, is he's taking a much, much higher volume of three-point attempts than Mike ever did. So, like, Yes. <laughs> that is, like like ten, ten more. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, that's part of it. We're not 
we're we're not going out on the same limb that Daryl Morey is and saying James Harden's the greatest offensive player who's ever lived. Yeah, not there yet. Yeah, but what he's doing this season is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. And here's the crazy part: is he has a chance to keep it up because here here are the next seven games for Houston. Mm-hmm. They're home against the Nets tonight. Win. They're against the Lakers at home on Saturday. Win. And LeBron James has already been ruled out for that game. They're at Philly on Martin Luther King Day. Toss up. It's a win. But Philly can't defend guards. Harden's getting he's I mean, he's getting sixty that game. I know, but there's no Capella. Yeah. So Joel Embiid is gonna get like fifty. <laughs> That's probably true. And and here's the thing. There is a hardened stopper in this league, and his name is Jimmy Butler. Mm. Jimmy Butler has historically done extremely well against Harden. Maybe not when you... Uh, I haven't looked up the numbers, so mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what, what the numbers are, but I have seen like the vast majority of those matchups, uh-huh. and he gets into the head of Harden a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he, Jimmy, t- though, he has that game circle, so I think that's a... Yeah. I mean, that that's a toss-up. Okay. Toss-up, but Harden's still scoring 50. Right. Next Wednesday, they're at the Knicks. That's the 60-pointer. Right. <laughs> yeah, probably. Gar- the Garden? Yeah. At, yeah, at the Garden, and the Knicks have a, one of the worst defenses in the league. Then, yeah, that's the 60-pointer. Then they have a three-game homestand. Toronto, which is actually a tough game. Yeah, toss-up. Orlando. Oof. And then New Another Orleans. Another 60. New Orleans. Uh, that dep- I mean... Yeah, that's probably a win, but good lord! I mean, that's that's. I'm looking forward to that game, January 29th against New Orleans. Like, yeah. he's gonna have like 45, and AD's gonna have like 44 or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Very much looking forward to that. He's gonna like this. I don't think this 30 point streak stops anytime soon. Right. Like he. I mean, in part because he's gonna have to. Like it. It looks like Eric Gordon is questionable tonight, so he might actually come back, but. Chris Paul is still out. Capella is now out for through the All Star break, mm-hmm. so they're still going to be down two starters no matter what. If Gordon yes. is out, or if he, I mean, regardless of whether Gordon returns or not, who else do you have? Especially with House now gone too, it's like James Harden, Gerald, Austin Gerald Rivers. Green? Uh, yeah, Gerald Green, Austin Rivers, PJ Tucker. That's it. Harden's taking thirty. Yeah, Harden's taking thirty shots a game from here on out. Yeah, he has to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. including just... like seventeen threes <laughs> right. at the least. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he has attempted at least fifteen threes in each of his past seven games. Well, I mean, for a guy averaging almost thirteen three point field goal attempts. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and it's just. Oh, yeah. I sorry to interrupt. No. I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. James Harden might actually be become. I should say, the first player in NBA history to attempt 1,000 threes in a season. Oh, interesting. Because he's on pace for it. Yeah, he has a 5-12, Yeah, sort of pace. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) if he continues at this rate. Right, he only missed three games, so he stays healthy for the rest of the season, and he ups it up just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that number's right there. (laughs) That's wild. Oh, my God. Yeah, because he, he led the league with 722 last year in 72 games. 
He's at five mm-hmm. twelve through forty games this year. Right. And you only need like when you when you play a full season, the rule of thumb if you, is you if you average twelve point two of something, uh huh, then you crack the one thousand mark. Okay. And he's a twelve point eight. He's a twelve point eight and missed three games. Yeah. So it's right there for the taking if he just keeps it up. And he's gonna have to out of necessity. At least until right. Chris Paul returns. And you know he's going to have one game at least over the next seven games where he's going to jack like 25 threes. You just know it. Probably against Philly. Could be. <laughs> Knowing how that how Philly has defended guards all year. Well, it, so, wow. yeah, it's it's amazing. Like this is, oh, this is just like the stats fun land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's a testament to him. That he is this good that, mm. I mean, opponents know what's coming. Like, you know that all he's going to do is take those step back threes, and yet you still can't stop him. Right. Right. I, I read The Athletic had a piece yesterday because, uh, you know, it was Dario and Covington's first game back in Philly since the trade. So it was a piece about Dario and apparently in his rookie season, they talked to Lloyd Pierce, who is now the head coach of Atlanta. He was the defensive coordinator for Philly before. And in Dario's rookie season, uh, they were playing Houston. And Houston kept trying to get mismatches for Harden. And they kept picking on Dario. And apparently Dario goes back to the huddle at one point and is just, like, so mad. And he's like, what do I even do against this guy? We don't have players like this in Europe. And Lloyd, <laughs> and Lloyd Pierce says, well, we don't have players like this here either. I don't know. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> and, like, that, That's great. that anecdote really just sums up James Harden, though, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, it does. Cause, I it mean, really does. Like, I, he gets a lot of hate because, you know, he flails and flops and draws a lot of free throws. But, like, we talked about this. With regard to Embiid, too, like, that's just smart. It is. More players should try to do that. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's the the thing he's getting hate for is, I guess, aesthetics. Yeah. Like, it's not pleasant to watch is the argument people use. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think... I don't think you can use that. I, I, well, I was about to say it's an excuse. I don't know if it's an excuse, but I, I get the whole getting to the line a ton can be, you know, three throws aren't fun to watch. I right. get that. Right. And then there are a lot of people going on the like the anti three pointers wave, going, well, threes aren't fun. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: this it's not just him spotting up. Like you mentioned it, like it this it's the step backs, it's the fact that he can hit threes with like two hands in his face. Like how is that not entertaining right like of course it is like that that's just hate that's just raw hate for no reason yeah um and you know a lot of it is really this i think understanding that james is attacking the game from an analytical point of view you mm-hmm. know obviously coming off the top of mori ball and all that and i think fans want basketball and sports overall to be a more intuitive emotional experience Right. So when you put a logical approach to it, it's like, well, I'm okay. I'm out. I don't want to watch this. I want to watch something that's intuitive. And in that case, let me suggest go watching Russell Westbrook. <laughs> uh, well, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't an NBA player's entire point to win games and win championships? Yes. Like what, it is. And what Harden's doing is winning basketball. Well, and not just Harden. Like, listen, here's the thing. This was just never publicized as much. LeBron James. Yeah. Very, very much analytically inclined, especially in Miami. It started in Miami. Right. He and he and Wade had a competition about who had the highest field goal right. percentage. I know right. field goal percentage is a very faulty measure, but like you know, it was 2010, and it was like the beginning of the awareness of efficiency. Yeah, and they were both trying to shoot above 50% from the field, which is like faulty. 55, I think it was. Yeah. I think that was their goal going in, 55. Which, which I would argue for perimeter players especially, that's not really a faulty premise. Like, if, if a perimeter yes. player is shooting that well, that speaks volumes about how well they're playing. Also, like, LeBron, I mean, ever since coming into the league, that's, like, mm. attacking the rim and drawing free throws has been a primary source of offense for him, too. Absolutely. Like, I, but, you know, you don't hear that, you know, about LeBron. Oh, he's... I mean, well, actually, you hear, you you hear do, from I me mean, yeah. that that he's boring to watch, but that's just because it's the same, you know, play overall. He's he's not the, the you know the the creative type. Unless I love to watch him pass, right. but in terms of the scoring, it's very much the same bully ball. Yeah. So yeah, but I get that. I get the whole thing. That I, I, I mean, you know, I get the critique. I just I don't buy into it yeah. with with Harden. I I mean, because look at what he's got to work with. Right. Paul is out. Capella is out. Like the team. Going into the season was somewhat thin because Ariza was going, you know, to to Phoenix and all that. Mm-hmm. Like you have to look at the wholesome package here. You have to look at the entire picture. You have to look at context. You have to look at the narrative of it. Like what Harden is doing right now is is bonkers. Like they've only lost eighteen games. Like they st- they didn't start off right. I right. think they lost like the first. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was the first five out of six? Yeah, four out I of five, so, something yeah. like that. Yeah, they started really bad, and then, you know, the whole narrative flipped on them, and oh, they're not as good, and, and you know, but but you have to look at the context though. Mm-hmm. They weren't ready. They lost huge vehicles of what you know made them a 65 win team the year before. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Do you think they dust off Carmelo Anthony? <laughs> So here's here's my question: Is did he did he uh, was he is he officially waived? No, I think or he's he still, still on the roster. I think he's still on the roster. I mean, honestly, I would I would actually go to him and go. You know what? We had our differences, <laughs> but look at the team right now. You would have an opportunity to shoot like 15 times. Right. Also, play center because we don't want to rely on Nene and Marquis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean. At, at the end of the day, Carmelo's frustration was, you know, volume and roll, right? Right. Yeah. Now's the chance, at least for the next couple games until Gordon and Chris Paul are back. Oh, you know what? He's going to say it's beneath him to become like a replacement player. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 All right. No, but it, like logically, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I was only like half kidding when I suggested that. I know, but like it does make sense. Yeah. All right, let's turn to the East now. We have to talk about the Boston Celtics, who, if we're talking about... People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. 
Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance uh underwhelming teams this year we all thought boston was just gonna be you know go bananas be right in the thick of the eastern conference you know race for the top seed they're 25 and 18 they are seven mm-hmm. games behind the toronto raptors they it seemed like they were hitting their stride a little bit at the start of the year they ran off four straight wins against minnesota dallas brooklyn indiana they then dropped three straight road games to Miami, Orlando, and Brooklyn. And some of the fractures of this team really started to pop up in recent days. Uh, Jalen Brown right. and Marcus Morris had to be separated during a timeout in Miami. They downplayed it afterwards. That was no big deal. After they lost to Orlando, Kyrie Irving comes out and basically just blasts his young teammates. Says they don't mm-hmm. under- understand what it takes to win a championship. You need to prepare the same way every day. A lot of these guys have been riding on their talent, and you can't do that. He basically sounded like LeBron James, which I... You know. No, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess because he was... Uh, and those are boys. Those right. two guys are boys and talked about teaming up. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, go, both of them are going to the Clippers this offseason. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. But so he comes out and you know puts his young teammates on blast. Then they go out Monday... Lose to the Brooklyn Nets. Jalen Brown afterward comes out and says, it's not one guy's fault. It's not young guys, old guys. It's everybody. We all have to be accountable and turn this thing around. Which is basically a subtweet at Kyrie for saying, "Right, look, man, it's not just me and Tatum and Smart and Rozier. It's you and Horford and Hayward and all the older guys, too. It's a big screw you to, Kyle, or to Kyrie. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think's going on with Boston this year? Because, like, we've gotten past, you know, we're now halfway through the season. We're past the, like, mm-hmm. it's just small sample size. They're going to figure it out. They still have 40 games to figure it out. Like, I'm not pressing the panic button on Boston. I still think right. the Sixers would have no chance against them in a playoff series. But, like, they definitely are not the team we thought they would be coming into the year. What's happening? What happened was our worst fears became true. Yeah. The disease of me. The disease of me. The fact that you had to incorporate, you know, two high-volume players back into a team that made it so far in the playoffs off of, you know, the the element of surprise to some extent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jason Tatum was unequivocally the star of that team. Yep. And that's not a role he could... Uh, why? Of course, he's got the talent to take that role this year. He just he couldn't because there wasn't enough shots to go around, not enough possessions, and like Kyrie had to come back. A lot of focus was on Gordon Hayward coming back. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown was suspected to take a leap forward. You know, Marcus Morris started playing really well. Like everything just kind of overshadowed Tatum, and 
for some reason, he started taking a lot of weird shots, like Tatum, yeah. like a lot of long twos, and just was more or less the the opposite of what we just talked about regarding Harden, <laughs> right? Like analytically inclined, right? But I, I just want to take a break, right, and and talk about Kyrie for a second because yeah. he, here's the thing: a lot of people are pointing fingers at Kyrie for not being the player that he used to be, like scoring, you know, the, the ball twenty five points a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the Kyrie the Kyrie Irving I'm watching this year is actually significantly better than we've seen in the past, even though his numbers are a little bit down. He's averaging 22.7 and 6.4 assists. Yeah. Here's why. His basketball IQ has grown exponentially, and I think Brad Stevens has a lot to do with it. Yeah. He is just a flat-out smarter basketball player than he's ever been. Mm -hmm. And I get that people look at the stats and go, well, you know, he's not as great as... No. Forget all about that. It's it has nothing to do with it. Watch him play. This is this is one hundred percent eye test going in. Yeah, this dude just makes better plays, smarter plays, moves better without the basketball, puts himself in a more you know high efficiency scoring position, puts himself into more smarter position of not getting out of rhythm like defensively, just you know switching over to the to the wrong player. Like he's in the right spot more or less now compared to the years prior. He's. I'm in awe of the internal improvements of Kyrie Irving. Like he's still not a good defensive player by mm-hmm. any stretch, mm-hmm. but he's he's becoming that type of guy who's understanding. Oh, I can still have a functional role in team defensive schemes. Yeah, he'll get burned on one on ones because he's just not built to defend one on ones. But in team structures, he's doing fine. Right, and I I I really believe that he is greatly improved and people are sleeping on that improvement because the numbers don't really suggest he's improved you know yeah. you catch my drift no yeah. i 100 percent agree and you, like yeah you want to know why his numbers aren't where they were in cleveland i mean they are honestly aside from his last season in cleveland he's putting up very similar numbers to what he did before but he's playing three fewer minutes a game which right. is smart like you have this wealth of talent and depth it would be re- reckless to play him 37 minutes a game. Like, you don't need I to. So, I mean, that, if you're looking at just, like, his per-game numbers, that explains why his scoring is down. But if you look at it on a per-36 basis, he set a career high last year. This year, he's right in line with his 2016-17 season in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He's averaging a career-high number of assists. Rebounds. I mean, steals. Yeah. yeah. Blocks. Yeah, like he, you're right. He's playing better than ever. Would you like him to draw more free throws? Absolutely. Yes. Like, but that. The, he's never, but he's never been that guy, right? Like he, for some reason, and that's always been like the major uh, drawback from Kyrie. He's yeah. never been the type of guy to get to the line seven times a game, right? Even though he absolutely should. That's yeah. that's one thing. I don't think that changes like right now. Right. I agree. Yeah. And. Yeah. And, I mean, part of it is, like, there's no one on the Celtics drawing a lot of free throws. That Maybe it's just their motion offense is, like, they don't – they're just trying to create open shots. They're not necessarily relying so much on drives, which is where mm. you're, you know, oftentimes drawing fouls like this. I think – right, and I think their best bet should be Jason Tatum. Like, 6'8", mm-hmm. yeah, 6'8", 6'9", slick, strong, athletic – can slash handles the ball well enough to get into the teeth of the defense. Like, 
I think he is being used in a way where, yeah, he's he's obviously a very essential component to that movement offense, and he'll take and make three-pointers, and, you know, he's an offensive viable option. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is a way where you can maximize, maximize him even more where, yeah, you may have to sacrifice some of the ball movement. Right. But if you can squeeze out maybe a little bit more free throw attempts and getting teams into, like, you know, tough situation fouls-wise, mm-hmm. that's that's probably worth it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think... And it, I'm not suggesting that Brad Stevens is a bad coach, by the way. Right. So don't add me, Boston fans. <laughs> I hear he's about to get fired, actually. I don't know. Here he's coaching yeah. for his job. <laughs> I mean, there's another reason for Boston's struggles, and it feels wrong to say this to some extent, but, like, we also have to be realistic. Mm. Gordon Hayward's on a max deal. Yeah. He's averaging 10.9 points a game. He's shooting 42 overall 32 and a half percent from three like yes he's coming back from a traumatic injury and it's unfair to expect more from him Mm -hmm. but that's still like this is not the gordon hayward that boston thought they were getting gordon hayward in utah his last couple seasons was a 20.5 rebound four assists per game guy he's half of that right now he has games. <laughs> you know, he had, like, the 35-pointer against Minnesota in the beginning of this month. He has 16, 11, and 8. The next game against Dallas, like, he shows those flashes. But then, you know, the last three games, he's averaged 5.7 points, 2.7 re- assists, 2.3 rebounds, shooting mm. 32 overall. He's hit 1-3 yeah. on 9 attempts. So we talked about this coming into the season. Yeah. Like, we we said, let's give him a year. Right. And this is the year we're giving him. But absolutely, like, you know, you have to make observations at a certain point. Yeah. And, you know, in the meantime. And right now, the return is, you know, the, like like you said, there it's okay, but it's not great. It's mm-hmm. not looking as if he's going to be like the Gordon Hayward necessarily of old. Mm-hmm. So... So what what's like what's the progress on from from here on out? Is it you know him needing to restructure the way that he plays? Is it him finding out, you know, how can I be an efficient basketball player without necessarily being a twenty point scorer? Like right. he needs to probably adjust certain things. And then next season, I could imagine him coming in more confident, mm-hmm. having a little bit more faith in his body. Uh, like I, I will say this: the rebounding and the assist numbers are actually pretty optimistic. Yeah. Like five boards, three and a half assists in in twenty six minutes. That's I'm I'm all the way down with that. That's nice. Mm-hmm. It's solely the the way that he moves offensively from a scoring perspective. Like in Utah, he was able to really create separation for himself. Yeah, and he just has not been able to do that on a consistent level this year. So you really have to gauge: is this the Gordon Hayward moving forward from an offensive perspective, or or is that just him getting back towards normal self? Right, and you know we're we're not doctors. Your wife are, but you're you're <laughs> right. not, and and it, it it all comes down to you know what they believe in Boston, in you know what their medical staff and their training staff believe, and I I wouldn't want to be in their shoes right now. I mean, the problem is I don't think they could trade him at this point. Oh no 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 like, not without knowing yeah. absolutely no. Well, I just don't think anyone takes that big of a deal with 
if, if that's the production you're getting back. I, I would agree. That's That would be ludicrous. Like, who would do that? Right. So, I, I mean, it, it feels wrong and dumb to say they're stuck with him because there's a non-zero chance. As you said, he comes back next year and he resembles the Gordon Hayward of old. But, I mean, I remember coming into the season, I said, let's give him till January. You're like, no, it, it might take a full year. Yeah, I, I thought he would be rounding back into form by now, and he's shown flashes of that more so in recent weeks than he did early in the season, but he's still a ways away. Well, I mean, his ankle is <laughs> twisted. I know. I, know. I just, I, I don't think we can realistically put ourselves into his position and go, oh, when is the confidence that angle going to return to 100%? Right. Because first of all, foremost, yeah, it need to it needed to be rehabbed. It needs to be put in place and rehabbed because that is off like you mentioned, it's severe trauma yep. to a body part. Right. And then comes the entire component of trusting your angle again. Yeah. Yeah. Like Vince Carter back in the day, I still remember him talking at length about his body because he felt his body had failed him mm-hmm. like his ankles and his knees there's all the things like he just felt that his body consistently would would just hurt him and he said it took so long for him to be able to just you know, just attack and practice mm-hmm. at a normal pace because you know it's not just games it's also working out it's it's playing pickup games at practice it's shooting drills at practice when you're just taking a jump shot like when you're going back to the ground after a jumper, like, are, are, is my ankle, is my knee, is, is something going to act up? Right. Like, it's in your back, in the back of your mind all the time. So I, I think patience is just the name of the game right now. Yeah. I really think it is. But then you mentioned we need to be realistic, and you're right, there is a risk factor. For sure. Yeah, I mean, the good news for Boston is they play Toronto at home tonight, which is going to be a tough game. But after that, mm-hmm. their upcoming schedule is... Just paper soft. It's yeah. home against Memphis, on the road against Atlanta, the second day of a back-to-back, which is actually kind of a trap game because Atlanta, as they showed last night against OKC, could actually, you know, they, they can hang some points on unprepared teams. So that that might be trickier than it looks, but still not, you know, you're not playing a top-tier team. Then right. five-game homestand, Miami, Cleveland, Golden State, obviously a tough one, Brooklyn, Charlotte, at yeah. the Knicks, home against OKC, at Cleveland. So, like, mm. there, there's a real chance Boston fattens up right now. And, you know, three weeks from now, they're third in the East or something like that. And we forget everything we just said here. But that yeah. said, <laughs> that said, the trade deadline's only a couple weeks away, too. They have a bunch of guys who Marcus Morris is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Aaron Baines right. is hurt right now, but if he turns down his $5.5 million player option, he'll be a free agent. Terry Rogier is going to be an, a restricted free agent. Kyrie mm-hmm. is going to turn down his player option. In theory, is said he's going to resign, so I don't think they move him. Do you think they need to make a move at, yes. by the deadline to kind of yes. get rid of this <laughs> glut of talent, as ridiculous yes. as that sounds? Yes, absolutely. Look, um, depth is important. Mm-hmm. Obviously, but you need to consolidate talent into something greater. Yeah, uh, because as we've seen in this league, talent wins out, mm-hmm. and to- or, or I should say, top tier talent wins out. Yeah, yeah, you need to get closer to that mark, um, and you need to find something that you can trade 
later on for Anthony Davis if that's who you're going for. And remember, you cannot trade for Anthony Davis now because Kyrie Irving is on the roster, so we have to be included. Yeah. All right. So Marcus Morris is in a contract year. Mm -hmm. He's playing balls out. I mean, 15.5.6 rebounds in 27 minutes, draining 45% from three, 87 from the line, almost 50 from the field. He is, yeah, just offensively speaking and from a versatile perspective, out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's going to continue mm-hmm. at all. I think this is a trap year, a contract <laughs> year. Next right. year is going to be a trap year. Yep. So I, and Terry Rozier has just, I mean, I don't think he's going to be the guy that a lot of people thought he would be. Yeah. Uh, he, it doesn't seem like he does well in this bench role at all. I, um, if there is, is a team out there still high on him, they should definitely see what they could get for a package of Rozier, Morris, and... I don't know what else. Uh, maybe a pick or something. Because mm-hmm. they have I mean, four, especially potentially. Yeah, that's the right. And here's the thing: like certain picks, they shouldn't move because they they could end up being pretty high. Yeah, like the, the the Kings pick. Right. Because if the Kings miss the playoffs and gets like the second pick, yeah, like that theirs. goes to Boston. Yep. Right. Um, but this is not the year to have a lot of draft picks because this draft is not. Good. Right. So this is the year you should be able to trade your pick yeah. uh, without any future consequences. So if you build a trade package surrounding Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, and draft picks, mm-hmm. like, yeah, see what you can get from that. I'm not sure what you can get. I'm, I don't have a guess sitting here waiting, but right. that would consolidate a lot. Ready? I'm going to solve the NBA in two trades. All right. Yes. Go for it. Dennis Smith Jr. to Orlando for Aaron Gordon. Or Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. and Wes Matthews to Orlando for Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Terry Roger, Marcus Morris, and whatever, a pick, fine, whatever, to Phoenix for TJ Warren. Oh. Boom. NBA solved. Well, all right, so. Maybe you, want... you probably don't even need to throw in a pick, but if they, you need to, throw in Boston's pick. So, so you'd want a... A TJ Warren, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all, and and and, and Gordon Hayward four man, uh, wing rotation. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally, I, I would. I don't. I don't hate it. I would steal Mikael Bridges, but I don't think you're getting that. No, no, no. I I don't hate that at all. Yeah. Boom. NBA I mean, solved. again, the. Right, because Tatum can swing up to the four. T.J. Warren can swing up to the four. Yeah, Jalen the... Brown can play two and three. Those guys are just interchangeable, basically. Yeah, and and Gordon Hayward can play all you know the two, the three, some you know some four, at least healthy mm-hmm. right now is you know you don't really. Oh, and and you would get that scoring punch. Mm-hmm. And T.J. Warren can get to the line, man. Yeah, that that would give. That would get Boston the one guy who could actually get to the line. Right. I don't hate that. All right. Yeah, I'm down. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. I just looked. You know what? I was... I was... Yeah, I was wrong. T.D. Warren does not get much of the line. I, I, was, I was remembering him back in college. Oh, okay. Well, he still shoots. I mean, he's shooting almost 43 from three right now. He, yeah. He would just But that's the you... one year he's done it, though. Yeah. yeah. It's... It's it's a sample size of 39 games. I know. His, I think his contract, if I'm remembering right, it at least descends next year. Yeah. It uh, descends yes, next it year does. and then goes back up. So that would help them because they're going to be 
once they repay Kyrie and if Al Horford opts in, they're mm-hmm. going to have some some money concerns anyway. I don't know if this trade pushed them over Toronto. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. I mean, like, I think if they just live up to all the talent on this team, they're at least the second best team in the East. They've just been so dysfunctional all year. I guess. I, I, I just look at Toronto and Milwaukee as major threat right now. Yeah, I do too. I think those are the only two threats to Boston, with all due yeah, respect but to I, Philly and Indiana. I was absolutely certain Boston would, would make the finals this year. Yeah. I, you know, that could still happen. I remember my predictions that Boston was going to win the championship this year. I know. I, I don't feel great about that right now. <laughs> Me neither. I, I was just as high on Boston as you were. Hmm. I, I think we can. I, I think it's a good deal, you know, from the parameters, but I think we can do better. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think they need. To, I think they need to do better. Yeah. Either way, I, I'm with you. I think shopping Roger in the next couple of weeks, if you can get something for him. I only chose Phoenix just because you know they're the two teams <laughs> right. that actually need a point guard. But like, if someone else wants to buy low on him, by all means. But I yeah. like you. You Roger clearly wants to be a starting point guard. You're not getting rid of Kyrie. Rogier is going to leave this summer. Just get something for him now. No, or, or you know, what's the alternative? Match you know, you want to resign him? Yeah, yeah, no. And then go in crazy into the luxury tax. Exact. You know, I, I'm going to go on a limb. Terry Rozier is gone by the deadline. Yeah. Gone. I, I, yeah. I think it makes sense. And honestly, yeah. it sounds like a lot of Boston fans are ready to say goodbye to him. Like, yeah, uh, yeah it does seem that way. People like... Mark, Mark is smart a lot more, and yeah. to Smart's credit, like he's become a thirty-five percent three-point shooter. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like thanks for the memories last year, Terry. But goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Ah. All right. Let's wrap things up with the Chicago Bulls, who are reportedly holding Robin Lopez hostage, according to Chris Mm. Haynes of Yahoo Sports. (laughs) (laughs) They are adamant that they will not negotiate a buyout with him. Uh, Lopez's representation has been in discussions with the Bulls front office about an exit strategy since late December, apparently but the franchise intends to stand firm. If they do change course and reach a buyout agreement, he's going to the Golden State Warriors, apparently. Right, right. So uh, Mark Stein, yeah. I saw, tweeted uh, he, in his newsletter yesterday, 
someone tweeted at him like are the bulls just not doing this so they protect the mj dynasty like are they, do they just not want to strengthen the warriors and like let them dethrone mj as the greatest dynasty in nba history I mean, if that was the case, they wouldn't have sold Jordan Bell to him. <laughs> right, exactly. And Mark Stein was like, uh, no, actually, they were just doing this for leverage. Because yeah. like, if you signal that you're going to give this guy a buyout, no one's going to give up anything for him. Right. So they got two second-round picks for Justin Holiday. Right. And I think that gave them a little bit taste of blood. Yeah. Because they realized, oh, you know what? We actually have a few vets who can, you know, be positive assets elsewhere. Right. And they're not in the long term plans for us. Let's see what we can get. I don't think you're going to get as much for Robert Lopez because his contract is significantly larger. Mm-hmm. So you also that's a, that's more difficult to move and find assets. Like Justin Holiday's cap hit was you know four point four million or thereabouts. Yeah. It was it was very minimal. Lopez sitting on, I think it's like 12 point something. Looks 13 like 14.4. Oh, it's just 14.4. See, yeah. there you go. That's that's a significant chunk yeah, of change. Right. And then you would ta- have to take salary back. So here's what I know. I know the Bulls are not interested in taking money back. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not just for Robin Lopez. That also goes for Jabari Parker. Mm. Like they're not interested in taking money back long term. That's the issue we really should be talking about because I think what the Bulls holding on to Lopez is fine. They after the trade deadline, you know, obviously you can't conduct trades, so there you'd have to, you know, work a work a, a you know a buyout and to get him off the roster and like you just do right by him that way. Right. But I think that's the wrong way to look at it. You should actively go in and say, you know, hi Washington, like you want Jan Mahimi's contract off your books. Right. Right. Like, give us Troy Brown. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, how many times do we have to say it? If you're a bad rebuilding team, take money back. Take long-term money mm. back. Because the free agent market is not going to help you. Like, Chicago's not... No matter what Chicago does on the free agent market this year, they're not going to be a playoff team next year. Do you agree? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, they absolutely. will because they're in the East and, like, everything outside of the top five teams are pretty terrible. So, like, mm. sure, they could sneak in as the seven seed or the eight seed next year. Maybe. But, like, whoop-de-doo. I have a question for you, mm-hmm. specifically. All right. So, you know how Washington, they are, we've talked about Washington so much on this podcast, especially uh-huh. their clock cap, right? Yep. Would it be worth giving up this year's draft pick, which right now is slotted as the sixth pick in the draft, unprotected, uh-huh. to get rid of Otto Porter and Jan Mahimi's contracts. If you're Washington? If you're Washington. Because then you can trade those two guys for Jabari Parker and Robin Lopez, and you'll, mm. be, you'll get those contracts off the books by the summertime. Is it willing to give up that? Should they be willing to give up that draft pick? No Troy Brown. The only asset that the Bulls get from this is the number six. It's the draft pick. And knowing that the draft class is somewhat top heavy or very top yes. heavy as it seems. Very top heavy. Hmm. I mean, you could you could look at it as well because it, you know, Otto Porter is obviously an a, a, you know, a good player. Right. So you'd have to put that into the consideration as well, but you have to, you would be trading for the contract. 
Yeah. Or, at, or for Washington's perspective, you would trade away the, the, the contract because yeah. that's a lot of money. The problem is for Washington, that would probably make them a worse team as well. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that said, it'd be very tough for them to catch any of these other bad teams. Right, and that's part of my thinking too. Yeah, but with the lottery odds the way they are, you're giving up a somewhat decent shot at... I mean, it, if it was the old odds, you would have a much lower shot than you would right. of moving up. So, like, completely unprotected, probably not. Top one? Yeah, like top one or top three, maybe. I don't think the Bulls do it with the top three. Yeah. Well, they're still getting Otto, though, who's actually a valuable piece. But still, yeah, the know, contract. from a league perspective, yeah, overpaid, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. Hmm. So... I think that's an interesting debate. I think that should be the discussion. Like instead of looking at trading Robin Lopez, like in a singular trade, right. I think it should be a, a larger trade where you see what you can actually get. Where you when you actually go out and say, "Look, we have Jabari Parker who's earning twenty million, and we have Robin Lopez earning fourteen point four. Yeah, we can give teams thirty four and a half million dollars in immediate no not immediate cap relief, but in cap relief for the twenty nineteen offseason." Yeah. But we want a pick back that projects to be high. You know what's going to be funny? What? When they trade Robin Lopez and Chris Dunn for John Wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. they Look, he's a name, so obviously. Right. What, four-time, like, five-time uh, uh, all-star? Right. Oh, the former. We just got another former for, first overall pick. Yeah. That's right. essentially getting another. Yeah. No, but, but like, are we in agreement that that should probably be the way to go oh yeah i mean i I think again if you're chicago there is no reason you shouldn't be willing i don't know that you need to be willing to take like a contract with like three or four years left on it but there those are very few and far between if you're taking eon mahinmi who i believe expires after 2019 2020 correct who cares like you're not it doesn't matter you all Mm -hmm. of your guys are young enough like, Markkanen's in the second year of his rookie contract. Wendell Carter Jr. is in the first year of his rookie contract. Zach Levine's right. locked in long-term. Chris Dunn's in the second year of his rookie contract. And you're not sure that he's the answer at point. But even still, you'll have plenty of time to figure that stuff out before you have to re-up all of those guys. So it's mm-hmm. fine to take one more year of dead salary if you're getting another, like, significant asset, as you said, a regardless of what that pick is if it's a very lightly protected pick and it could be number three number four number five where there's actually some talent in this draft yeah i think that's a move you make Mm. i think that's the way they should look at it but right now it seems like lopez is being treated in a very singular vein like Mm -hmm. oh we, we need to figure out a trade just for him right i think i think they should just do it completely different open up the entire field and just go, okay, we have a group of guys that we just know or we're not going to move. Yeah. Like Laurie Markin and Wendell Carter. Right. And in my perspective, that's it. Like the list ends there. Mm-hmm. And, and and then we have all these, you know, expiring contracts that we can move and we should just be able to take, you know, crap contracts back for right. assets. I, I, I just cannot see a downside to that because like you said, they're not going to be in the playoffs next year. In particular... If they hang on to Jim Boylan, <laughs> yeah. who's been a train yeah. wreck, right? I mean, 
right? They could. I mean, they could sneak in, but like, I don't think it. Uh, By posting up all no, the time? No, 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 no. God, no. But I, that's what they do. I know. And I, I mean, I guess depends on if Kemba stays in Charlotte, they'll still be relevant. The Nets are only going to get better. The Heat right. will be fine. Like none of the top uh, four. There's teams. no way the Bulls are getting to the playoffs in, in the foreseeable future. Yeah. No. I mean, if, I mean, Ste- oh, by the way, if you if you read the Athletic mm-hmm. and Stefan No, who's mm-hmm. just a, a tremendous Bulls beat writer, go check out his article about why Laurie Markin has stagnated. Spoiler alert: Jim Boylan. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked too. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, seven feet tall. Go into the post, Laurie. It doesn't matter if you can shoot the three <laughs> at high volume and a high percentage. Go into the post. Come on, Laurie. Oh my Come God. on, Laurie. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, they're not going to be. They're not going to be a meaningfully competitive team for another two or three years. Like, right. they could sneak in the playoffs because the East, but, like, they're going to get swept in the first round and it doesn't really matter. Mm. So, like, 2020 is where they should have their eyes right now. So if they take yeah. on bad salary next year, that's fine. That said, if you're expecting the Bulls to handle trade negotiations proactively and intelligently, yeah, uh, Godspeed. <laughs> That is that is a very fair point. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap up. So thank you, everyone, to listening today. We will do most likely a uh, awards pod somewhat soon, as well as some updated playoff predictions now that we're halfway through the season. We're just going to wait for a few slow news days, which never happen because it's the NBA. Uh, until then, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Sapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Thank you, Brian. You too. I think this podcast made us the greatest of all time. (laughs) Oh, no. We will not be discussing that, because thankfully I missed that in Japan. And it sounds like I missed a horrible few days on Twitter. Might be very wise not to go into that one. (laughs) Take care, man. You too. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.